All right, welcome in everyone to episode 24 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. It is our Gordon episode. I am Kenny Cochran, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Jake Hill. Gordon, baby! Got to tell y'all, man, we are having an absolute ball of a time out here on the YouTube Live. Y'all need to get in here. Check it out. Give us a watch. Give us a listen on the YouTube, man, because we have a good old time in here. Just talking ball. It's a little bit more relaxed. We get to kind of get our bearings about us as far as the podcast goes. So y'all need to hop in here and be about it. But yeah, man, we uh, came out here yesterday uh, and kind of talked about a review of what we missed since the last episode, everything that happened um, with your Atlanta sports teams, Georgia sports teams, and sports around the world. And uh, we're coming into my favorite episode of the week. I believe I can speak for Jake and say that it's his as well. It is betting day. Betting day. Wide. Let's talk about everything we got, man. We're talking. Oh, we had it. Okay, okay. We had a little mic break for a second. I think you might be back, though. Good. Keep on, keep on talking, Kenny. Keep on talking. I'm out here. Oh, you're in there. Let's go. We're here. Let's go. All right. We're going to talk about some college football. We're going to talk about some NFL football. We're going to talk about probably some basketball, some baseball. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to give you our picks. We're going to go through, uh, talk about our record and how we're looking right now. We are still. Ladies and gentlemen, on an absolute heater right now. It has been a very, very good past couple of weeks for the show. I've got notes right here for you. We are Ooh. making you some money, and we're going to keep that thing going throughout this next week. Ooh, notes. Nice. All right, Jake, let's dive into this thing. What we got? Man, Kenny, uh, great introduction as always, sir. And I have to start this off by saying it is a beautiful Wednesday. And, uh, you know, George, we hit a little bit of a hot spot for a second. We're starting to get back cool, which we all love to see. Um, during, it felt like fall today. It did feel like fall today, man. And looking forward, we got next week coming up. Highs in the low 60s, highs in the high 50s, you know, lows down there in the 20s. We love to see it. We are getting to that time of year. I know some people kind of debate on when Christmas season is. People like to push it past Thanksgiving. Uh, We're, we're at that point for me. So, you know, I, I'm not going to hop in the car and start listening to Mariah Carey uh, just yet. But it, it is definitely fast approaching. Um, <laughs> figured I just... Get that stuff out the way first. Um, I do want to do a little time step before we get started. We like to do these throughout the podcast. You kind of know where we're sitting at. Uh, 9.07 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.9.22. It is Wednesday if you're listening to us during the week. Um, and yeah, before we get really rolling, again, Kenny mentioned it perfectly. Listen to us on the podcast side of things. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all this fun stuff. And YouTube, if you're in here listening to us right now, thank you so much. I know my wonderful girlfriend is right now. I'll give her a little shout out on the podcast as we're as we're rolling. But, Kenny, I'm going to go ahead and swing the bat right quick and uh, tee this thing up and get this thing rolling with a little bit of Braves talk. How about that? Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, we talked about the Braves a little bit yesterday. You know, offseason is kind of a fun thing. We can kind of just take this day by day and just drop news as it comes. And we did have a little bit of news today. So the Braves traded Braves legend Jake Odorizzi, formerly traded uh, by the Houston Astros for Super Braves legend Will Smith. But... That move has continued to progress, and now we are on to Rangers left-handed pitcher Colby Allard. He is now an Atlanta Brave. Um, if you've been a Braves fan for a while, um, not even a while, it's, it's, it's only been a couple years, Colby Allard is a former top-tier prospect in this Atlanta Braves system. He's now 25 years old. Um, and if you look back at it, this is a guy that whenever Mike Soroka and you know Austin Riley and all these guys were coming up, this was the guy that was looked at as the top, top-tier guy, the can't-miss prospect, the guy that was going to be a, you know, a cog in your starting rotation for a decade and things didn't really pan out for him. We traded him, you know, a couple years back for Chris Martin with, of the Texas Rangers. Chris Martin gave us some good years in Atlanta. 
And it's funny how this thing works around because, you know, four or five years later, he's right back in Atlanta uniform. Um, he has not had much success at this level, at the major league level, but I, I know I, I've met Colby Howard, you know, before at, whenever he's playing minor league ball, and he's always seemed like a really, really cool guy. Um, I, I'm rooting for the best for this kid. Obviously, he's in Atlanta Braves now, so we're going to do that kind of thing, but I am happy to see him back in the Braves uniform, and if, if we can find something in him to, you know, respark that top prospect, that top tier potential he had, um, that would be a beautiful thing. I do want to mention we also did send some cash to the uh, Texas Rangers, along with Jake Odorizzi to help cover some of that $12.5 million. We sent them $10 million, um, so we're really only profiting about $2.5 million off this. But I think it's more of a thing to kind of open up that fifth rotation spot, let some of these young cats get in there, let a guy like Mike Soroka, you know, fight his way back from that torn Achilles. And if he can't, then we have guys like Kyle Moeller and Bryce Elder and all these guys to fight for it. So, you know, we had, we had some we had some fun stuff kind of kind of go along with things. Or uh, Jacob DeGrom, if we want to put that name out there. <laughs> um, Kenny, I'll, let you, I'll pass the torch to you and, and let you get your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, that kind of brings me into a direct quote from Alex Anthopoulos today that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, today, they asked him about the fifth starter spot in this rotation and what he was expecting to see headed into next season. And he said it's actually going to be an open competition between Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, Kyle Muller, Colby Allard, and Bryce Elder. So um, with the Colby Allard trade, and you just mentioned it, saving $2.5 million, I think what it really boils down to is you know what you're going to get from Jake Odorizzi. And, um, you know, if, if you if you put Jake Odorizzi in this competition or this, um, you know, opportunity to, to earn that fifth rotation spot, you, you're pretty much guaranteed to get some level of play out of Jake Odorizzi that you've seen over an extended period of time. So why not take the shot, man? You know, you save two and a half million dollars. It's not a significant amount of money for the Braves. But you throw a guy in there like Colby Allen, who's still young. He's got plenty of ball ahead of him. So, you know, get him in there. Give him an opportunity to shine. And if he doesn't pan out, you know, really and truthfully, it's probably going to be about the same situation we'd be in with Jake Odorizzi anyways. Yeah, and whenever you're paying a guy $12.5 million a season, you kind of feel enticed to at least try him out. So now we make right. this move. He's, I, know, I know we lose $10 million off of it, but now he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So you're, you're no longer enticed to have to use him. We're seeing that with a guy like Marcelo Zuna now. We know that, you know, we probably have better options, but we continue to put him in that lineup so often because of the, you know, big time, you know, pay we're paying him. You want to get some type of production out of it. So you have to keep on rolling with him until he can show that, which is, you know, kind of a pain in the butt for fans. But I, I, I kind of understand it from like a management position where, you know, you're already paying him 20, 23, you know, paying him big dollars. So you might as well keep on running him out there and see if he could make his, make his money off of it. Exactly. I mean, when you're invested so heavily into these players, you've, you've got to see them play at some point. I mean, you've got to get some kind of return for what you've invested into them. And, you know, that's kind of what we've seen with Jacob Arizzi. And, uh, you know, I mean, is the deal the most exciting deal in the world? No, not necessarily. But, you know, Colby Allard, like you said, he's a young guy. So when, he, when you got plenty of ball ahead of you and you come in here into an open competition for a fifth rotation spot in this lineup, like, you know, it, it is what it is. That is the truth, Kenny. Uh, that wraps it up for Brave stuff for me. I don't know if it was that was that it for you too. Yeah, that's it for me. All right, so let's. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll get into a little bit of Hawk stuff. Nothing much. Uh, just you know, we just talked about him yesterday. Kind of the same thing about the Braves. Um, I do want to mention that we are playing the Utah Jazz right now. It's halftime. It's sixty-three to fifty-four Utah. This Utah Jazz team is actually a pretty good basketball team after trading guys like donovan mitchell and rudy gobert for a, a million draft picks it seemed like this team is first in the eastern conference with a uh like nine and two something like that nine and three record uh they are playing really really good ball this year so this is a team that a lot of people going into the year 
didn't think highly of, and they have surprised a lot of people. So it's not really a cupcake game like a lot would think. Um, I'm not going to really go into game stuff. I do want to mention Trey Young is back from his injury. So he only missed one game. He's now back in action, which is beautiful to see for Hawks fans. We love Trey out here. Trey is a huge part of this team. Um, and last thing on the Hawks, through our next six games, we have Philadelphia twice, Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, and Cleveland. So the Hawks are going through an absolute juggernaut of a schedule through these next six games after today. So we, you know, hopefully we'll split those at least, uh, maybe, you know, take a little bit of one game above 500 in those at, in that, in those games we have coming up, but it's going to be a tough one for the Hawks. But I will say this, it's going to be really, really fun basketball to watch. So keep your eyes on the TV, you know, pay attention to these Hawks because they have a they have a pretty tough road ahead of them coming up soon. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, baby. That's it on Hawks for me, though. That's all I have. All right, where you want to head next? Yeah, is there a Canes update or is that just a weekly thing? I mean, not much to update on. Uh, we're playing right now against Florida. So, um... It is, we are in Florida right now. We actually got a little live action. Jake and I were watching it a little bit ago. Um, so we'll give you a quick update. It's uh, currently one nothing in third period, start of the third period. So uh, we'll get a little bit more of an update on that next week. Okay, perfect, perfect. Uh, well, that's it for all, all the, all the you know, little miscellaneous stuff we talk about this time of year. Uh, Kenny, you want to bring us into the big boy conversation of this time of year? Let's go, baby. Let's talk about these dogs. Dogs. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's a preview preview uh, show. We talk about what we got uh, headed into this upcoming week, and we have Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State, pretty interesting team, six and three team, a team that's uh, really impressed a lot of people, including myself. Um, you, when you have a guy like Will Rogers and a coach like Mike Leach, you know you're going to throw the ball, and that's exactly what they do. Um, now, one thing that we've said about Will Will Rogers, and it certainly is kind of a anomaly, you could say, with this guy is he's super efficient. Um, this is the guy that completes a lot of his passes. He's, you know, sitting right at about 3,000 yards already, 26 touchdowns to five interceptions. So do they sling the ball a lot? Yeah, they do. And you're going to see a lot of pass action in the game. But uh, they do it pretty efficiently. So pretty unique team, pretty unique uh, play style that they have. Um, it's going to be something that's pretty cool for this Georgia team to see because the most pass-happy team that we've played so far was Tennessee, and we were able to lock them down. Um, Tennessee's definitely a better team than Mississippi State, but, you know, Mississippi State definitely gives you some pretty good looks on the defensive side of things as this year rounds out. Um, you know, we're headed into a, a part of the schedule where uh, it, it gets a little bit exciting because we're kind of, you know, now everybody's talking about the college football playoff, and as the years round out, we, we head into rivalry games and everything. So, you know, you can't necessarily look past Mississippi State. This is a pretty decent football team. Um, I will say – the line for this game, I've seen it. Uh, I want to say it's moved a little bit. Let me pull it up on FanDuel just to make sure I've got a accurate reading on this one. Uh, last I checked, it was 16.5. I'm seeing on ESPN, they've got an 18.5. I don't know if it's moved on FanDuel as well. Um, no, we're still sitting at 16.5. So the dogs opened up as a 16.5 point favorite in this game. The over-under set at 53.5. Um... 80% of the bets are on Georgia, or 86% of the bets are on Georgia, 80% of the money's on Georgia. Um, I think that's a pretty good number, to be honest. Uh, this is one of those games where it seems like Mississippi State's a team that's going to go out there and try and put up as many points as they can. I would assume that the dogs can cover this. Um, I would expect them to. We talk about that every week, though. You know, we are a, a Georgia sports show. We love the dogs. But, um, 
No, man. I mean, this isn't really a game. It's so hard to talk about a game like this because it's not the most exciting thing in the world. But you want to go out there for the dogs, clean up a couple things. Uh, We've been kind of battling the turnover bug this season, even headed into Tennessee. We, we, uh, you know, a couple fumbles in that game and uh, pretty uneventful stuff right there. So this is kind of a a game where you just want to go in, maybe run some plays, get some players out there. Uh, Hopefully we'll get A.D. Mitchell back. It seems like we got some pretty good updates on him from Kirby that he is expected to suit up. So I don't know, you know, what kind of limitations he will have headed into this game. But it's going to be a good game to get some guys out there and hopefully see some good production out of some boys that we really need headed into this later part of the season. Yeah, the most exciting thing for this game to me is that it's a 7 p.m. kick. I, I am pretty excited about that. We do get a little night game on ESPN, so, you know, pretty pretty, pretty good showcase right there. Um, we have a lot of things to look forward to in this game, and no, I do not think it's going to be a very close game at all. I think these two teams are, are very, you know, uneven when you look at skill and you look at, you know, production and all this fun stuff. Um, and Alabama's kind of a school that um, – Exposed Mississippi State's offense because I will be the first to tell you. I think me and Kenny both had uh the over in that game, and Mississippi Mississippi State's offense did not show up against Alabama. Alabama came out, drew up a good game plan against them, and if Alabama can do it, I guarantee you these Georgia Bulldogs can do it. Uh, Mississippi State is not really the same team as um Tennessee as they do pass the ball a lot, but Mississippi State likes to go a little bit more underneath. They like to try to short stuff a lot more. Tennessee also does, but Tennessee does all their stuff on offense to set up the deep ball where Mississippi State is is not really like that. Um, Will Rogers is a guy that is highly, highly efficient, puts up crazy passing stats almost every game, uh, super, you know, consistent with what he does. But one thing that I think that is going to test this Georgia team is they're going to test the tackling ability of our DBs. When we look at guys like Keely Ringo, Kamari Laster, Tyke Smith, uh, Malachi Starks, Chris Smith, all these guys. And luckily enough for us, we have the best tackling secondary in college football. There is no doubt in my mind. We could, Every single game, you see guys like Kamari Laster and Keely Ringo, cornerbacks that come down and boom with the big boys. It don't matter if you're a running back, a tight end, a wide receiver. They're going to lower that shoulder, and they're going to try to inflict damage on you. And that's not even mentioning our safety group Um, with Chris Smith and Malachi Starks. Both of these guys like to lay the boom. They both like to hit. They're both... Two of the top tackling safeties in college football. Um, Malachi Stark has shown that he is a guy that likes to get his nose on the ball, likes to really, really get down there and make plays, you know, around the line of scrimmage, whatever he can. So I, I think that's something that's going to be tested, and I'm really excited to see that because of, you know, the tackling ability of these DBs we have. No, that's a really good point. And, and one thing I want to say about this Mississippi State team, too, is, you know, we talk about this not being the most exciting game to break down. And you look at Mississippi State from a numbers perspective. This is just about as average of a football team as you can be in college football. They're sitting at about 62nd in total offense and 46th in total defense. Um, obviously, it's an SEC team, so the, the caliber of play is a little bit higher for the teams that they play, especially um, you know the, the side of the SEC that they're in. They're, they're playing some pretty potent offenses and really good defenses over there as well. So um, I, I think this is a pretty good football team, man. Um, I really do. Um, so you talk about numbers, man. They, they give about... I think I've got it at 151 rushing yards per game. Um, so if we're giving our kind of predictions in this game, I don't know. It seems like in games against Oregon, against Tennessee, uh, in games where you kind of expect the dogs to attack on the ground a little bit more, it's been a little bit weird. And we've seen Stetson throw the ball a good bit more than we expected. So I don't really know what to expect out of this game. But if I'm just giving you my initial thoughts, I think this is going to be a big ground game for us. Um 
we got Kendall Milton back. He's uh, been looking really good in practice, so I'm looking for him to maybe get a little bit more PT in this one, get out there and, and really get this running back rotation so, some more touches, man. You got Dejon Edwards, who's been great this year, Kenny Mack, who's obviously a stud. Uh, Kendall Milton, Branson Robinson's been racking up the carry. So I think this is going to be a really good game to get these guys out here and get them some more touches and see what they can do on the ground against a defense that tends to to give up some rushing yards. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really big uh, showcase for Branson Robinson, uh, the guy you just mentioned. Um, true freshman, bowling ball type guy, just runs runs through guys. Um, and he played, I will say this, he did have a very disappointing game against Tennessee. Um, Tennessee had his number. And but I think things are going to change against Mississippi State. I expect him to get a you know a good bit of carries, especially when it gets to the second half of the game. If Georgia performs as we're thinking they're going to and, and can get up pretty high, we know what Georgia likes to do though in that second half and in blowout games. We like to run out Carson Beck and you know let him sling the pill around a little bit, which is expected because he's a guy that you're expecting to be a starting quarterback next year. You want to see what you got with him. So, but I I do think you're right in that. I think that this is going to be a game where we kind of take the you know, the pressure off Stetson a little bit, kind of let him get rested up a little bit and let these guys, let these, you know, the four-headed monster running back we have to, you know, put in some work on the ground against Mississippi State. Cause I know they rank in the, you know, top 50 in defense, but they, they aren't playing any defense. I guarantee you that much right now. They're not going to play defense against this Georgia football team. Oh, man, it's just kind of a lackluster performance from them all around. I mean, they're averaging 400 yards of total <clears throat> offense a game. A lot of that can be attested to the kind of offense that they run. Um and that's not discounting anybody. Obviously, we talk about Will Rogers. He's he's an absolute stud. We like this guy. And uh, I know when he was a true freshman, dude kind of torched Georgia a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we got, got some bad blood against him. Um, uh, we But we got some really good film on him, too. We've seen this guy play for years. So we know what to expect. And Kirby's very well prepared for this game. Uh, we mentioned it yesterday. Kirby Smart, undoubtedly the best coach in college football right now. So um, pretty exciting, man. I think we're going to get to see a little bit more balanced attack from this Georgia offense. We're not really trying to attack this team in one particular way. We're going to put a good game plan together, go out there and kind of see what our playmakers can do because, you know, you talk about 22 guys on the offensive and defensive side of the ball that are without a doubt better than their 22. So I'm curious to see what we can do, get some more rotational pieces out there, especially against a team like Tennessee that runs that quick, that, that really quick tempoed offense. They don't really give you the opportunity to sub like you like you usually do. Mississippi State is not necessarily like that. They do run a uh, you know a really heavy passing attack, and with a heavy passing attack, you can expect a lot of breaks in the game, a lot of pauses in the game, and um, that's really going to give this team, this Georgia team, a chance to get fresh legs in there. So it's going to be a big game to see what these uh, what these rotational pieces can do. Yeah, and uh, I, I will say this too. I, I think this is going to be uh, the toughest game remaining on this regular season schedule. Um. I, I know we have Kentucky also coming up, so we can't really look ahead too much, but there's a difference between Kentucky and Mississippi State. Um, will Rogers is probably not going to lose Mississippi State a game, and I do think Will Levis and this Kentucky, that Kentucky offense can lose them a football game with, with how often they like to turn the ball over. So that, that's one little note I have for this game. I, I do think I would keep your eyes on it because um, from the remaining three games we have in this regular season, I, I think this one has the... This is the one that you want to really keep your eye on. You're going away, nighttime game in Mississippi. You kind of want to, you know, you don't want to let this one slip by you and, and, and mess up on this game. No, absolutely not. Um, I'll tell you what, before we hop off the dogs, Jake, why don't you give me your predictions? What do you think we're going to see in this game? Maybe from a personnel standpoint, from an individual performance, what's a, kind of a, a, a take for you that we're going to see against Mississippi State? Okay, so I'm going to go with a little bit of a bold one. It's about a guy I just mentioned, Will Rogers. Um, we saw Alabama hold him to below a 50% completion percentage, and I think we see the same thing from the Georgia Bulldogs. I think Will Rogers goes out there and puts together like a 
Um, 18 for 40 game. I, I think that we keep one of the most efficient passers in the SEC under a 50% completion percentage. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's a really good, really good take there. I would love to see it, especially against a quarterback like Will Rogers and a team like Mississippi State that likes to throw the ball the way they do. If we can come out there and play defense like we get, did against Tennessee, man, there's not an offense in the country that can score against us. So um, I like that. Um, my prediction, I'm going to say uh, for the second time this season, we're going to see a 100-yard rusher. Yes. Um, we've only had it done once. Uh, we came really, really close with Branson Robinson. He got up to 98 against Auburn. Um, but uh, Dejon Edwards was our first 100-yard rusher of the year against Florida with 106. I think we're going to see that again. And uh, that might be not the easiest task in the world when you talk about getting a guy like Kendall Milton back and having some more rotational pieces out of the backfield. But I think against a team like Mississippi State, it gives us an opportunity to get back to our bread and butter, and that's you know getting guys the ball out on the perimeter, getting Kenny Mack the ball out of the backfield in the passing game a little bit more, maybe throw a couple screens to Ladd and Brock Bowers out on the sidelines like they made some moves and uh, really open up this run game. So uh, that's my prediction. I think we're going to see a 100-yard rusher for the second time this season. I love it. Do you have, do you have somebody you're leaning towards to do it? Um, I would love to see Kenny McIntosh. I would too, and I, I, one of my, I was actually almost leaning the same way with you, and I was going to say Branson Robinson. I like that too, man. I really do. I don't know what the limitations are going to be out there. Obviously, we we talked about it with uh, getting everybody back healthy and getting some more guys in the rotation. It's not going to be the easiest thing in the world, but I would love to see Branson get some more touches. I would love to see Kenny get some more touches because. Kenny McIntosh has been so surprising to me this season because he's been so good between the tackles, and that's yes. not really his game from what we've seen in the past. And it's, he seems to be excelling doing that this year. So I would love to see Kenny McIntosh get out there, maybe rack up the carries a little bit, get the ball um, in the middle of the field, see what he can do. Dude's got insane vision, man. Oh, yeah, and, and it was a guy, you know, to start the year, we kind of said the same thing about how, you know, can Kenny Mack really run the ball like that? Because, you know, to start the year, he wasn't really putting together all these crazy performances. He was, he was getting carries, but he wasn't really racking up a lot, a lot of yards. He was racking up a lot of receiving yards. But, you know, as of late, he really has really has got going on the ground, which is beautiful to see. Because I will tell you this right now, there's no doubt in my mind, Kenny McIntosh is the best running back on this football team. He is a top five running back in college football. He will be a first or second round he will be a first or second round pick in the nfl like no doubt in my mind he would be a first round pick if he did not play running back for sure but since he plays a running back position which is kind of hard to be drafted in the first round uh i'm gonna say he'll be a top two round pick whenever he declares for the draft no i agree 100 dude's an absolute freak so is that on, is that it on the dogs that's it for me, man. I think we win big in this one. I like that. I, I think we cover the 16 and a half, and I think we come out there and really, really, really good uh, from a balance perspective. I, I really want to clean up some turnovers headed into the late season, maybe clean up some just some schematic things. You know, some some there's some stuff we need to, to do better with, like limiting um, yardage in the screen game on defense, things like that. And Mississippi State's a team that we're, we're going to get to see a good bit of that against so um i'm looking forward to seeing what we can do but yeah man that that pretty much rounds it out for me okay perfect so what do you want to go to next kenny do we want to go to uh do you want to go to the falcons or do we want to go to betting for college football i'll tell you what why don't we hit falcons real quick because i think it's probably gonna be a pretty quick one yeah yeah i'm down we can do falcons all right well um we talked about it in yesterday's episode obviously um one of the games that we were uh that we missed when we didn't do a podcast last week that we reviewed yesterday was the Falcons Panthers game. 
absolute barn burner. Hell of a game. Um, it, it was a, a really crazy game from from all around. You saw DJ Moore with that crazy penalty and the missed extra point leading up to the game winning field goal from Mister Young Waku. Um, and, and we're headed into another uh, another matchup with these Panthers, man. Um, we're traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. They're sitting at two and seven. Falcons are four and, and five. Um, this is going to be a pretty interesting situation for the Falcons too, because one thing we have struggled from a team perspective is playing on the road. We are one and three on the road this year, so um, traveling down there to Carolina to take on this Panthers team is going to be a really good game to see what we're made of, because this is a obviously a winnable game. We've already won the first matchup, so we really need to to do a little bit better on the road. And this is just about as prime of an opportunity as we're going to get. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. This is the game that you get your mojo going on the road. I also want to note this is a Thursday night football game. So, you know, Falcons fans out there, don't miss it tomorrow night. We got to, you know, anytime you get one of those primetime games on a Thursday, uh, it's it's always very exciting. So can't wait to see that. Um, a notable thing for this game is that, you know, last week, the Panthers got absolutely destroyed by the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, P.J. Walker did not get off to the best start, led him to getting benched for Baker Mayfield. Um, and Baker went out there and played good football. Uh, they did say that PJ Walker will still be the starting quarterback going, you know, for the future for right now. Um, so he will be starting tomorrow against the Atlanta Falcons, which is, is pretty notable because I, I was expecting to see Baker out there, but you know, I, I guess, you know, if, if they think PJ's their guy, they're going to keep on roll with them. Um, and one thing about this game, and it's kind of hard to break down because we just talked about it, you know, two podcasts ago, basically the same, you know, almost the same matchup. I have two notable things for this game I'm looking at. And one of them is the Falcons ran all over the Panthers without Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson is going to be back. He is already back right now at the Falcons. He played last week. And this Panthers team is allowing the third most rushing yards in the NFL this year. They cannot stop the run to save their lives. And for one of the top rushing teams in the NFL, like the Atlanta Falcons, getting our top running back back should be a very, very beneficial thing. We love to see it. My other notable thing is kind of on the defensive side. Uh, and it, it kind of leads to pass rush. You know, the Falcons team really struggled with pass rush last week against Justin Herbert. No sacks, three pressures or something like that, I think. So we kind of let Justin Herbert get away with a lot of stuff. Um, can't be the same. This week, because we are very depleted in our secondary, we can't let a guy like P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield, whoever's in at quarterback, sit back there and, you know, read the field against his secondary because we are very depleted. And if that happens, a guy like D.J. Moore is going to go crazy on us, which, you know, we did beat the Panthers whenever D.J. Moore went for 150 and a touchdown on us. But, uh, you know, I would like to limit him a little bit more if we could. And I think a lot of that kind of leads to up front where, you know, getting a little pressure on P.J. Walker, forcing him to make some mistakes and, you know, forcing some turnovers. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how they play this quarterback situation because, you know, Baker came in and played a really, really good game um, in, in a game where P.J. Walker struggled. And P.J.'s really played some some pretty good football for this Panthers team. We've seen it kind of drop off in recent weeks, but for the most part, he's been a solid quarterback back there. And this is a team they're not really looking to contend. They're not necessarily looking to tank either. Obviously, they fired their head coach. Matt rules out. So they're coming out here. They're trying to show what they can do. And a guy like Baker Mayfield is obviously trying to earn a spot back in the NFL. This is a prove-it year for him. So I'm curious to see how they play it. I know we talked about a little off-air, Jake, and you mentioned the Mac Jones-Bailey Zappi situation. I'm curious to see if this is a similar deal, if maybe they, they trot both these guys out to see what they can do. Um, so, you know, who knows? It might be our first look at Baker Mayfield this season. Yeah, it'd be nice just, you know, just from like an NFL perspective, just to see Baker back on a football field. You know, you're, you're right. It's a contract year for him. He's hitting free agency after this year. So 
as it looks right now with, with, with what we've seen from Baker in Carolina, uh, the jobs aren't going to be, you know, openly super available for him. But if he can come out and, you know, try to earn that starting job back and play some good ball these past these last couple weeks of the season, uh, the NFL is very, very biased on recency. And if he can come out and ball out, that there's going to be a team out there that will that will pay him and, you know, probably utilize him. Oh, yeah. Somebody will give him a shot. He's just going to got to come out here and, and give some some good tape to show. I mean, these teams are not going to sign you or, or pay you if you don't show anything. And, um, you know, he's going to have to do better than what he's done so far. So in order to do that, buddy, you got to get back on the field. So we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. I'm excited for it. Tomorrow night, Thursday night football, man. I, I know usually on these night night week games, we, we, we hop on the hop on the discord and have it playing on the on the side screen and talk crap and play video games with the game on uh so it, it, having having a falcons team in there playing that game it should be pretty fun yeah definitely gonna be in there definitely uh so does that lead us to the best favorite segment of the week yes sir let's dive into it man loaded slate loaded slate from the nfl side and the college football side this week pumped up about it Absolutely. Before we get into it, let's talk about where we stand. Um, we mentioned it before beforehand as we started the show. We've been on a little bit of a heater here recently. Uh, we are, as a show in our official picks, 29-18-1. So if you're following the boys, you're winning some money. Hopefully we can keep that up, man. Uh, we followed this kind of uh, strategy of giving you a favorite, an underdog, and over and an under from both leagues. So I think we're going to keep doing that and see what happens. But uh, yeah, let's dive into it. You want to go college first? Yeah, let's we'll hit college first. All right, Jay, why don't you open it up? Who's your favorite of the week in college football? Okay, so my favorite of the week, this is what I looked around the league for, and I, I was I was really, really trying to find my pick, and I had a hard time with college football this week. And the pick I settled on, I am going to roll with Penn State minus 10.5 versus Maryland. Uh, Maryland is, you know, a pretty high, high efficient offense, um, but they have been kind of slowing down as the weeks have went on offensively. I know this, you know, to start the year, they they were a team that you like to pick the over for a lot, and um, yeah, they, they've kind of slowed down. They're a team that's four and five against the spread. Um, Penn State is six and three against the spread, so Penn State's also covered three in a row, where Maryland has not covered four in a row. So we're kind of leading up to one. Um, Penn St or Maryland played an absolute stinker last week against Wisconsin, twenty-three to ten loss. So I just think this Penn State team is is significantly better than this Maryland team. Um, there are two lost Penn State team. Only two losses came against Michigan and Ohio State. So I don't. I'm not going to knock them too bad on that. I, 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 I'm rolling with this one. I feel comfortable with it. I know Talia is a is a guy that can come out there and throw the ball. But Sean Clifford, we, you know, we talked about it. he might be the best bad quarterback in college football. So <laughs> we know he's going to put up some type of numbers in some type of fight. No, that's for sure. This Penn State team's actually pretty good, and they get a lot of hate from the national uh, media and from from just football fans. I know we like to hate on Penn State a lot. This is the team where they go out there and they, they come out with three or four losses every single year, and they look like a pretty solid football team, and then Ohio State beats them by 20, and Michigan beats them by 20, and we say, oh, well, you only beat Penn State, so that doesn't, that, that doesn't matter. When in reality, they're actually you know not a terrible football team. So, no, I like it. I like that pick a lot. Um, that brings me into my favorite of the week. I am taking Kentucky minus 17 and a half against Vandy at home. I respect it. I respect it a lot. This Kentucky team's been kind of weird. Um, they are sitting at 6-3 and three right now, currently third in the SEC East. Obviously, they've got an NFL prospect in Will Levis, who was battling an injury kind of towards that middle part of the season. 
And since he's got back, he's struggled to get into a groove. Um, one thing about this Kentucky team is uh, the rushing attack is there. Um, this team can run the ball uh, with the best of them. Uh, they started off the season. I know Chris Rodriguez, hometown boy, I think he was on a four-game suspension or, or whatever that deal was. And since he's come back, dude has been lights out. He has gone 126, 197, and 112 in five games since he's been back. Um, dude is an absolute unit. I look for Kentucky to be able to run the ball in this Vanderbilt team. And obviously when you run the ball, it opens up the play-action game and opens up an opportunity for your quarterback like Will Levis to make some plays. Uh, Will Levis is a guy that will give you one. He'll give you an interception or two and uh, go out there and make a couple errand throws. But he's got all the talent in the world. He's kind of like a more developed Anthony Richardson from the standpoint of he's big, he's athletic, he can make throws, he's got the strong arm. Um, so I think they just overpowered this Vanderbilt team enough to cover that 17.5-point spread. No, I love it so much. Uh, Vanderbilt was the team that we looked at, and I, I think a lot of people kind of got a little bit too high on, you know, to start the year, um, me included. And uh, they are very, very bad at football. Uh, they don't score points. They don't defend. They don't do a lot of things. They don't do anything that is football related. They uh, And Kentucky is a team uh, we mentioned. Kentucky is a decent football team. I know they've, they've probably been a little bit disappointing this year compared to what a lot of people thought we're going to get from Kentucky. But there's one thing about Kentucky. Kentucky is going to Kentucky. And that means they're going to win games they probably should win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess and a team play, like Vanderbilt that is very bad. I I, I think that they cover the spread as well. And they play hard nosed physical football. And against a team like Vanderbilt that <laughs> really struggles to do that, um, you know Kentucky should be able to come out here and handle these boys pretty well. And you're talking about a Vanderbilt team that allows 315 passing yards on average per game and 160 rushing yards allowed average per game. Um, so it, it seems like a game where Kentucky's probably going to be able to line up and do whatever they want. Yeah, they do not play one lick of defense. All right. You want to head into some dogs? A little dog of the week action? Yes, sir. This is a pretty interesting one for me. I have been very, very low on this team all season long. I have not put one single wager on them. Um, this has been a team that a lot of people were high on, and they have come out here and absolutely doo-dooed the bed. Um and I'm looking for them to get right in this game. I think we got a little bit of a gift from Vegas in this one, and I'm going to try to ignore the fact that everybody and their mama is probably going to be on it, and I'm taking the Miami Hurricanes plus one and a half at Georgia Tech. Hurricanes have to figure it out at some point, right? They got to, man. They have to. I mean, you talk about the Georgia Tech team who has been recently playing some pretty, pretty good football. I mean, they're sitting at four and five on the season, three and three in conference, and they're lining up against an ACC team in the Miami Hurricanes. But Georgia Tech, man, they're giving up 410 yards average per game, 230 through the air, and 181 yards average on the ground. Um, this Miami team, is a, it, they're kind of weird because they don't necessarily love to pound the football. They kind of get up there and sling it. I know Tyler Van Dyke was battling an injury. I don't know what his status is, but you've got to think this Miami team is just better from top to bottom than this Georgia Tech team. And I think at some point, this Georgia Tech team has got to be letting some – they got to be giving a little bit of a letdown. I mean, you look at three of their last five games, they got a win over a ranked pit team, a win in overtime over a pretty solid Duke team, and a – last-second comeback victory over Virginia Tech last week. Um, 
I think they're riding high right now, and, and I think things have got to regress to the mean a little bit, and this Miami team has just got to get it done. I mean, if you can't beat Georgia Tech, then who are you going to beat? Yeah, Miami's 1-8 against the spread this year. Um, I also would, would roll with you on this one. Um, Georgia Tech is not a good football team at all, um, and Miami's also not a good football team at all. But we talk about talent-wise, and, uh, you know, talent – for the most part, shows up whenever you got two teams that are pretty bad at football. And I do think Miami is the more talented team. They went out, they got Mario Cristobal this year. They said Manny Diaz was the problem. And they are worse than they were last year. Um, this is a team that every single year people ride into the year thinking that they have a chance to win that ACC. And uh, newsflash, guys, the ACC is actually kind of tough. Uh, <laughs> and as an SEC fan, it's kind of hard to say. But, uh, you know, they might not have teams that are super competitive in the aspect of college football. But they definitely have some teams that have the ability to beat up on each other inside their own conference. And at this point right now, neither of these two teams are in that upper echelon of that conference with, with some of the higher up dogs. So, uh, But Miami definitely has, has a chance to get up there. I know they've been recruiting a lot better lately. So I, I, I would roll with you on this one. Miami plus one and a half. Love it. All right. What you got? All right. So I'm going to go with another team that we, that we usually don't really bet on too much. Um, we do bet on them, but not in the aspect of a spread. Bet, and I am actually going to roll with Iowa plus one and a half versus Wisconsin. So hear me out a little bit. Iowa might have might has found an offense. They have been rolling, you know, decently on offense these past two weeks, scoring 33 against Northwestern and 24 against Purdue. Um, This defense is real, y'all. Like, this defense is good in the grand scheme of things. I know they got blown out by uh, by Ohio State. They played a pretty tough one against Michigan earlier this year. Um, I just don't think Wisconsin's going to have enough firepower to put up points on these guys. And I do think Iowa's going to put up enough points to win this game. I would pick Iowa as, a, as an outright winner in this game. I think they're the better of the two football teams right here. No, I like that a lot. You, you made a good point, and you're absolutely right. This Iowa team, man, has found an offense. They figured out how to move the ball. It's what has been their Achilles heel for the past two years, it seems like. The defense has been there. This has been a top-10 defense in college football year after year, and they just haven't been able to push the ball down the field. And all of a sudden, they can do it now. I don't see a reason to think why they wouldn't against Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin is kind of tough, though. I mean, they did lose to Michigan State, but they have a couple big wins. Um, Northwestern, 42-7. to um, they did, you know, lose to Illinois, but Illinois is a Illinois is a really good football team. So I think this is an even, a really evenly matched up game. But I do think I was, you know, the the better of the two teams. So I, I feel pretty conf- confident in it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, Jake, what you got for an over? All right, so my over of the week, I have Auburn versus Texas A and M over forty eight and a half. Um, these are two teams that um we felt like couldn't score points for a while. And Texas A&M, I know they've struggled with quarterback, you know, stuff. They they found that freshman kid, um, Weigman, I think is his name. I don't remember his first name. Connor. Connor Weigman, or Weigman, whatever you want to pronounce it. And he came out through four times two weeks ago. Um, got into a little bit of a sickness, so they, they rolled out um, Mr. Haynes King. And Haynes King balled out. So this is a team that is kind of rolling on offense right now. But don't look away because the Auburn Tigers are also rolling on offense. Both of these two teams have been putting up significant points. Uh, Auburn has put up 27 plus the past three weeks. So I think the number of 48 and a half is just too low. Um, You know, Texas A&M, their defense looked like that nobody could score on them for the first little bit of season. But now they're starting to allow some more points. <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of getting to late season football. And sometimes you can see some crazy stuff happen late season football. And these teams are really kind of falling out of contention. 
And I, I think this game has the opportunity to be one of those. Uh, we saw last week Texas A&M got into a shootout with Florida, which is something that I really did not have on my on my bingo card. So um, I, I would like to see it happen again this week. And 48 and a half, man, if you in college football, that 48 and a half number is not very big. <laughs> oh, it is not. And uh, I, I kind of like that, too, because you mentioned it. It seems like Auburn, they haven't been able to move the ball through the air. They just haven't. They're trying to figure it out with Robbie Ashford as the quarterback now. They start off with TJ Finley. They've been trying to kind of, you know, figure things out. They they fire Brian Harson, bring in Cadillac Williams in there, who kind of brings the juice to the team. It seems like this Auburn team is just in kind of a way to where you, you look at the box score and you're a little bit surprised at how they move the ball because you don't really know how they do it, but it just seems like they get it done. And um, Texas A&M is a team where they have just been hindered at the quarterback position all year long. It seems like they found a guy with uh, with old Wiegman or Wagman, however you pronounce it. So, um, no, I like that. I think this is a game where it, you could potentially be looking at another shootout. Yes. All right, my over of the week. I'm taking the over 64 and a half TCU in Texas. I love it. That's going to be one that I think everybody in the nation is going to be watching. <laughs> Absolutely. I really do think that this TCU team is good. Um, an interesting thing about this TCU team is they are 7-1-1 one, one against the spread this year. And Texas is also very good against the spread at 6-3. and three. Texas opens up as a 7-point favorite in this game. Um, this is a, a You and I talked about it a little bit off air. This seems like one of those games where you put a little, put a little flyer on TCU money line, kick your feet up, and enjoy the game. Um, this TCU team is currently ranked fourth in the country in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, they've got a really, really tough gauntlet in their schedule leading up to that Big 12 championship. Um, so they're going to have to show out if they want to make this playoff spot. So they're doing everything they can, man. Max Duggan is a guy. 2,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, this overpick for me was based off of two things. Number one, this is a must-win game for TCU. They're going to have to come out here, open up the playbook, do whatever they can to beat this Texas team. A pretty good Texas team, I will say. 18th ranked team in the country. And the second reason I'm on this over, TCU is the fourth ranked offense in the country. Texas is the 30th ranked offense in the country. And neither teams play defense. That's true. Both teams allow about 400 yards per game. Both teams are, you know, Texas putting up about 450 per game and uh, TCU is putting up over 500 per game. So <laughs> this should be a game that a lot of points are scored. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you talk about 64 and a half. That's 32 points by both teams. Get to that 64 point mark. I think it's going to take more than 32 to win this game. Yes, yes, it is definitely going to take more than 32. We look at it. TCU, uh, the last five games, every opponent has scored over 24 points. Um, Texas in their last five, um, other than Oklahoma, they've given up 20 plus in every game. So they have uh, a lot of lot of offense to be expected in this game. And I think you're right. I think that number is a little bit too low. So I, I would probably roll with it too. All right. What you got, or I guess is it my turn to lead it off for the unders? You can lead us off for the unders. All right. This is a kind of a stinky one. I will admit it is a little stinky. I'm pulling up my numbers. I got to give y'all some justification of why I'm of why I'm picking this. I am taking the under 72 and a half Washington at Oregon. It's a lot of points. <laughs> a lot of it points. Is a ton of points, man. It's a ton of points. And honestly, I'm a little bit worried about it. Um, both of these teams score. Both of these teams throw the ball. Both of these teams can run the ball. This is a very 
potent offense against another very potent offense. When you talk about this Oregon Ducks team, aside from that absolute rout in week one against the Dogs, this team has been one of the best teams in college football. Bo Nix is looking like a prime Heisman candidate. He's throwing the ball. He's running the ball. He's even catching the ball. Got a receiving touchdown last week. He's doing everything you can ask for him. And you talk about a guy like Michael Penix, dude. This guy is, I believe, leading the nation in passing yards with 32-32. Um, 23 touchdowns and five interceptions headed up against a quarterback in Bo Nix, who is also playing lights out. Both of these offenses average upwards of 500 yards total offense per game. They're throwing the ball. Uh, Washington's throwing the ball 370 yards a game to Oregon, just at about 300. Um, but one thing I think gets a little bit under-discussed on these two teams is both of these teams play pretty solid defense. Um, they're giving up just over 100 yards rushing a game, and they're both giving up under 300 yards passing a game. And against a, in a conference in the Pac-12 where defense is not a very common commodity, I think Two of these, or these two teams right here, are a little bit out of the ordinary for those. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a situation like this. I think at seventy-two and a half, you're going to see Oregon. To me, is a clear the clear pick to win this game. They open up as a thirteen and a half point favorite in this game. I think they cover it. I think they win the game, and I think Washington's going to do anything they can to get back into it. And typically, in an offense where you throw the ball so much and you're forced to to make moves to try and get back into a game. There's going to be a ton of mistakes. There's going to be some deep shots that don't go your way. There's going to be some 50-50 balls that get dropped or incomplete or intercepted. Um, so I think that's going to kind of be the situation here. I think Oregon gets up big originally. I think they coast a little bit, and I think Washington struggles to get back into it. And I think that ultimately will lead to going under the 72 and a half. Oh, I respect that a lot. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get those high numbers. You don't really have to put too much of an argument in there. You just have to think, you know, the odds are that this is probably going to go under that number compared to over. Um, right. And, and it's, it's funny because that kind of leads me into mine, which I'm going to the same route. And I'm actually going to one-up you, Kenny, because I have an over. I have an under that is actually higher than yours. Um, I'm going to go Wake Forest versus North Carolina um, under 76 and a half. Before I get into expl explanations, um, that's just way too many damn points. Uh, any single two teams in college football play and the over-under set at 76 and a half probably take the under um your odds are pretty good now i will say there's two teams that will go over that it is these two teams and <laughs> that's what kind of makes me nervous about these picks because we look at north carolina north carolina does not play defense um we look at wake forest wake forest does not play defense but i do want to mention this is a wake forest team that has been on the struggle the past two weeks um they put up 21 points a game in each of them you know pretty significant losses against nc state and louisville and the most notable thing is Sam Hartman has thrown six interceptions the past two weeks. If Sam Hartman doesn't get it right against North Carolina, this is not going to go over. Now, if Sam Hartman was out here throwing four touchdowns, 450 yards per game the past, you know, two weeks, I would probably think about it a little bit more. But um, to get over this number, a lot of things have to go right for both teams. And I, I just I just don't see it happening. Um. As I mentioned, these two teams love offense. Um, North Carolina, if you've watched the North Carolina game, to me, they're one of the most fun teams to watch in college football. Drake May is a phenomenon at quarterback right now as a freshman. Um, they are a lot of fun. But if you watch them, you know that they give up a lot of points. Um, so watch this one. Expect for a really, really fun quarterback matchup and hope for the under 76 and a half. <laughs> yeah, no, the thing about the under that, it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable is betting an under in any sport 
is the only bit where you are on pace to cover until you're not. Yep. When you bet an over, you're never guaranteed to be in the prime spot to hit that over until it goes over in that fourth quarter, a couple minutes left, you're sweating it out. The under is the exact opposite because until it gets to that point, you are 100% winning your bet and you're just hoping that the points don't go over. So it's a little bit unique in that fact that you put some money on a high under or a high uh, over under and um, you're, you're banking on these teams to go under and you can kind of see it unfold a little bit more than an over. So I like that a lot. Once you get up 75 plus on that over under line, it's like, ooh, you know, take a look at that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's 11 touchdowns combined to cover. With extra points made, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. That's five touch. So we can get five touchdowns, six touchdowns. This is a forty-one to thirty-five game. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it should be fun. Uh, I, I, I'm just really, really excited about that football game. Sometimes the exciting ones you get ready for. You have to throw something out there. And I'm kind of disappointed because we have a lot of seven and seven thirty games to look forward to. We have Texas TCU at seven, uh, seven thirty. We have. North Carolina Wake Forest at seven thirty. We have Georgia at seven. So you know they could they could have gave us a little bit of a spread out, a little bit better than what we got. But uh, you know at least they got some fun ones in the early slate. But you know kind of a little bit disappointing to me. No, no, you're absolutely right. Everything's kind of stacked on the back end, which is a little bit different. It feels like we've seen things change in college football in recent years to where the like most important games of the week or that three thirty slate and. um this week is a little bit different. The, the most exciting games of the week seem to be later in the afternoon. So you're going to be split screening it, flipping back and forth. You're going to be wearing out that back button on your remotes. Got that right. I'm going to be playing Call of Duty probably with one game on one monitor over here and another game behind me with the volume on as loud as I can get it so I can hear it. And it's going to be a really, really fun Saturday. Yes, sir. All right, Jake, do you want to hop into the NFL, talk about our bets, or you got anything else you're looking at in college? Uh, I do have one question for you, Kenny. This, one might, this is one that might take you a little bit longer. It's just something I just thought up as we go. Uh, top 25 team right now that you think has the biggest chance to get upset this week. Um, Give it to me. Let's see what you have to hear. Oh, hold on. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. And I don't want no stinker upsets. I don't want no, I don't want no damn, you know. UCF beating Tulane. Like, I, I want something fun. Okay. I'm going to have to dive into this one a little bit. You got one that's on your mind that you want to talk on? Yes. I, I, I will actually give it to you right now. Um, And while you're looking for yours, I, I will I will dive. And the one I am looking at right here, um, Clemson. Guys, y'all are not making the college football playoff as it stands right now. But after you lose to the Louisville Cardinals, you will definitely not be making the playoffs. I know this game's in Clemson. Don't get me wrong. Hey. But this is a Louisville team that is kind of rolling right now. And we just saw what Clemson did against Notre Dame. This Clemson team is a team that has held on by, you know, 10 points, held on by 7 points against a lot of teams this year. And finally, Notre Dame came out last week and beat them. Um, Louisville's a team that it's kind of hard to hold on like that because – they run a pretty dynamic offense. They like to score points. Um, and we look at the defensive stats. These two teams stack up pretty evenly on defense. Um, Louisville's at, uh, allowing 343 yards of total offense. Uh, we look at Clemson. They're allowing 334 yards of total offense. We look at the offensive side of the ball. Louisville's averaging 423 yards of offense. Clemson averaging 405 yards of offense. Um, Louisville scoring 30 points per game. 
They're allowing 19. Clemson scoring 34 points per game. They're allowing 21. So these two teams right here are a lot more evenly matched than what people are thinking when you look at that number 10 ranking going to an unranked Louisville. I like that. I like that. Um, that's a little bit of a wild one, I will say. That's one that not a lot of people are going to be on. A lot of people look at that from the perspective of Clemson's got to get back this week. It's got to be a big get-back game for them. So uh, I, like maybe, it. I like it. A maybe. Maybe. Clemson's just little. not that good at football. That could be it. That could be it. Um, ooh, all right. Well, I'm not trying to throw any layups out here. So you mentioned it. I can't say Tulane, UCF. I'm not going to say Alabama's going to be Ole Miss. Um, I'm looking at Florida State. Okay. 23rd, 23rd ranked Florida State. It's got a matchup against America's team that has just fallen off and terrible fashion these past three weeks in Syracuse. Syracuse is a team that has come out here and impressed everybody this season. They have got some crazy wins this season. They go out there, blow out Louisville in week one. They beat Purdue. They beat Virginia. They beat 15th-ranked NC State at the time, 24-9. They lose a close one to Clemson, 27-21. They lose a close one, or not a close one. It was close until Notre Dame pulled away at the end. They lose to Notre Dame, and then they lose to Pitt in terrible fashion. So they've started the year 6-0, and and everybody was pumping up this Syracuse team, and then they lose their last three. And it's got you thinking, man, what is going on with the Syracuse football team? I'm not sitting here saying that Syracuse is a powerhouse. They are not. But I am going to sit here and tell you that Florida State is not a powerhouse. I can confidently say that. Um, and I think Florida State's opened up this game as a seven-point favorite. I do not think that is a good number. I think Syracuse plus seven is probably a pretty good play this week. So take a look at that. It's not an official pick, but, you know, take a look at it if you will. But let's look at how these teams line up. Florida State is a team that puts up yards, 483 yards per game. But you're, they're headed into a matchup against the Syracuse defense that has been playing lights out this season. They're only allowing 165 yard pass, 165 passing yards a game. Um, they are allowing 140 rushing yards per game, which is a little bit of a concern. Um, but against a team in Florida State that really likes to sit back in the pocket and let Jordan Travis air it out, um, rushing is not necessarily their forte. So let's look at just just looking at the trends for me. I'm looking at a Syracuse team that has been playing really, really good football and loses three back-breaking games week, week, week in a row in the past three games. Um, if Syracuse is going to get back on track and come out here and finish the year strong, they gotta, they've got to do it against a uh, Florida State team that I think is probably getting a little bit too much love right now. No, I, I understand that completely. I love Jordan Travis. Uh, every time I watch him, it seems like I, I get inter I'm, I'm pretty entertained with how he plays football. But I, I do think that team's a little bit overhyped just because they they beat the uh, the likely SEC West champion in the in the in the opening opening game, um, and that kind of takes me into some other ones for me. And you know we look around the SEC, and you know there's there's two big ones on everybody's everybody's market this week, and that is uh you know that's Alabama and Ole Miss. That's that's the huge SEC matchup this week. Ole Miss is still alive. Alabama's still alive. Uh, Ole Miss does not need as much fortune as Alabama does though. Um, they're a one-loss team. Only loss came to LSU. If they manage to beat Alabama, all they have to hope for is to win out and for LSU to lose one of these games. Um, I don't know how that matches up very well. If I if my money was going somewhere, I would put my money on Alabama. Um, but I, I will probably tell you that every single week they play football. Um, <laughs> but that kind of takes me over to LSU and Arkansas. 
Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, ooh is the Thought right thing. Ooh Thought about it is when you the add right me. thing. LSU's going to lose one of these games against Arkansas Texas Sandham. I will tell you that much right now. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to lose both of these football games. I don't think they're going to lose both of these football games. That is very unlikely. But they're going to slip up and lose one of these football games. And if there's one thing Arkansas can do, Arkansas can play offense, guys. Arkansas scoring 32 points per game. Now, one thing about Arkansas, they don't play defense, which is huge. But we look at a guy like KJ Jefferson, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in college football. If there's a guy in the SEC that I would put, you know, put put the back, put the team on his back, let him carry this team. Um, KJ Jefferson is, is probably probably one of you know he's probably up there pretty high for one of those guys because you watch Arkansas play. He is you know he's super dynamic, makes a lot of plays for him. And they also have a guy like Raheem Sanders, running back. This team loves to run the football. Um, 234 yards rushing per game. Anytime you see a team that plays a lot of offense and doesn't play much defense, it can kind of make things entertaining because then you can kind of get into the aspect of a shootout. And when you look at a team that doesn't play great defense like Tech, like LSU, they're not really a great defensive team. They, they have been more of an offensive team this year. That's when you start generating that shootout potential. And in a shootout, we all know anybody can win that football game. So so keep your eyes on that. And I, I think, I mean, the spread shows the three-point spread with the, with the seventh-ranked team in the country against an unranked Arkansas. Um, Arkansas is a team that we were everybody was high on going to this season being a potential to win that West. Uh, and I, I don't think they're as bad as what you know as what what it shows because there's one thing about them. They like to go over. They're seven and two on the over. They love to put the points up. So so keep your eyes on that one. That that one could turn into a pretty fun game. No, you're right. And a good point you mentioned there is how Arkansas can put up points. I mean, they're averaging 485 yards of total offense per game. Um, and they're really, really balanced, too. They got a super balanced attack on offense. They're throwing the ball 251 yards a game and rushing 235 yards a game, which is nuts. And they're matching up against an, LS, an uh, LSU defense that does average um, over 140 yards on the ground allowed per game. Uh, and one thing about this Arkansas defense – I know they don't like to play defense, but they're a little bit more susceptible against the passing game than they are the rushing yes. game. And uh, Jaden Daniels is a stud. I'm not discounting him at all. He's been very, very good, very efficient. He's thrown for 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, and one interception. But he is LSU's leading rusher. Just set the single-season record for rushing yards from an LSU quarterback. Um, 619 yards on the ground for him and 10 touchdowns. If LSU comes out here and – tries to beat Arkansas through the air, um, and Mr. Jaden Daniels can get it done, I think that's the way LSU comes out and wins this game in, in pretty good fashion. But if they try and come out here and play kind of how they have in recent weeks, or really this entire season, and coming out here, getting the ball outside with Jaden, trying to you know run some read options, get him outside the tackle box a little bit, make a couple guys miss, I think they might struggle a little bit against this Arkansas defense. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I think this is one that, has a lot of potential to, you know, get a lot of views and, and keep your eye on it. And then another good thing about it, 12 p.m. Eastern time kick, baby. Let's go. We got an early slate game. That's right. That's right. We can hop in here early, watch some good football. I'm actually going to be in Disney World, but I will be keeping tabs on this one for sure. Disney World, watching it next to Mickey Mouse himself. All right, me and Mickey are going to be gambling. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All that right, rounds it out my upsets. Yeah, that, that rounds it up for me. So I'm, I'm ready for the league now. 
let's dive into the men's league. I'm pretty pumped to talk about our bets here because this is, uh, you know, college football, it seems like you and I bounce a lot of ideas off of each other day in and day out. We talk about college 99% of the time. So I have a little bit more of an idea of what you're looking at, I think, in college than I do in the NFL. So anytime we get these NFL picks, it it, it gets my it gets my, my, my blood flowing a little bit because I got to see what Mr. Jake over here is thinking. So I'm going to let you kick it off, Jake. Who's your favorite of the week in the NFL? All right, favorite of the week. This is one that I looked at a couple teams. Um, I was a little bit opposite on favorites in the NFL. In the college world, I did not like a bunch of them. But in the NFL world, I, I, I found a couple of them I did like. And the main one that stuck out to me, and maybe it's the obvious pick, is uh, I'm going with Miami, minus three and a half versus Cleveland. Um, we talk about a Cleveland team that is known for running the ball a lot. And a Miami team that, you know, has has won ball games recently. They have won since Tua came back, but they have not won in super dominant fashion. Um, they're, they're, th- they're 3-0 in their last three, but they have not won a game by more than six points. Um. But Cleveland, I, they're coming off a big win against Cincinnati, but, you know, the last four games before that, they they lost every single game. So um, I, I just think this Miami team is better. Um, my, Cleveland is allowing, you know, they're allowing 347 yards on defense. Um, Miami's allowing 376. We know Miami's not a very good defensive team. Cleveland is uh, a team that kind of has to rely a little bit more on the on the defense side of the ball. And, and look, numbers don't help this because I'm looking at numbers right now, and everything points towards Cleveland being the better football team. Like that's kind of surprising to me. But <laughs> I'm looking at Miami, man. It, it just seems a little too obvious. This is a, a six and three team. They're three and uh, going against a three and five Cleveland. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited about this game, and you know I'm, I'm gonna roll with it. Just seem right. All right, I actually looked at that one too. Um, that was going to be my pick until I, I dove into some numbers and I kind of saw what you were talking about there. And I landed on my favorite of the week. I'm taking the New York Giants minus five and a half at or at home against Houston. Love it. Love it. That was one of the um, ones I looked at too. I like this Giants team, man. I like Brian Dayball. I like Daniel Jones. Everybody loves Saquon Barkley. Um, they have been a team that has really impressed a lot of people. Um, one thing this Giants team has been very, very good at is defense. They're very good on the defensive side of the ball. They're allowing only 219 passing yards a game and under 140 rushing yards allowed per game, um, which is huge in the NFL because you're playing these teams that can get out there and and, and throw the ball. That's kind of the name of the game in the NFL. Um, and when you're averaging 219 yards allowed, you're doing something in the league. Um and you're headed up into a matchup against a Houston team that struggles to move the ball through the air and on the ground, um, any way you look at it. Um, Daniel Jones has been playing some really good football, and Saquon Barkley looks like prime Saquon Barkley. He looks like everything we've been missing from Saquon. Uh, the questions were there with his injury, and he seems to come back in, in crazy fashion. This Giants team can move the ball, too. They're averaging uh, 340 yards a game in total offense. They're moving the ball on the ground at 162 yards per game, which is pretty crazy to think about, especially against a Texans defense that allows an average of 180 rushing yards per game. Um, so I'm looking for a big game from Saquon Barkley right here, and I just don't think this Texans team is going to be able to score on this Giants defense. So Giants, minus 5.5, pencil me in. I love it. Uh, quick and simple. Houston Texans are the worst team in the NFL. Um and the Giants are a good football team. Um that that's way too close and and I I will be on that pick with you as well um on Sunday. 
So that leads us a little bit into our uh, underdogs. And this is what I told you I was not on earlier. I kind of bounced back and forth. But when I told you I was not on it is because I was thinking it was a favorite game for this team. Um, and now I'm looking back at my notes. It, it was a game I was on, and that is Seattle. <laughs> I know we talked about it earlier. In my head, for some reason, when we were talking about it, I was talking about Seattle being three-point favorites. Uh, but now looking at them as dogs, I, I love it even more. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I got lost in the sauce right there. But, uh, yeah, my uh, my underdog of the week is Seattle plus three at Tampa Bay. Um, I say I have it at Tampa Bay just because that's how it looked on my screen. But this is actually a game that's going to be played in Germany. So, it's pretty little bit, little bit of a notable thing. Um, and this is a game I, I'm really excited to see because this is a game that just seems like every single week we talk about it with Tampa Bay, man. Where are they really going to get rolling? When is that offense going to finally start putting up points? And we haven't really seen it yet, even though they closed out a good game against uh, the LA Rams last week. And I looked at it as simple as this. This is one of the ones you can't overthink. Um, you look at it on paper. You look at guys on both sides of the field. You're going to look at Tampa Bay as the better team. But we look at on the field, you know, playing football and seattle is by far the better team this year seattle has looked really really good geno smith has went out and played phenomenal football um a little notable thing too um russell gage is questionable mike evans is questionable these guys don't play that that's a that's that, that's really really notable in in tampa bay's aspect i don't know what their injury issue is but uh it, it is something to pay attention to um also seattle six and three against the spread they've covered four in a row Tampa Bay is two six and one against the spread, and um, they are one and seven or one and six in their last seven. So it's it's a it's a, it's not really pointing towards their favor right now. This is one that I really like. Um, I talked to, I talked to you about it beforehand because I wanted to get your thoughts on it, and we talked about it a little bit back and forth, and I absolutely talked myself out of it. So, um, I'm not going to be on this game, but I do like it, and I respect that pick very much. Um, and that brings me into my underdog of the week. And in true Kenny fashion, I'm making a pick here based strictly off my gut. I cannot give you any numbers, any statistics to back this pick up whatsoever. At all. If I tried to, it would look like I'm an absolute doofus because they go opposite of my favor. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers plus one and a half against the Saints. Okay. Um, this is pure gut feeling. I think the Steelers have been playing hard-nosed football. They've lost some games that they've been in pretty tightly that they probably shouldn't have. You talk about a four-point loss against the Jets, a two-point loss against the Buccaneers, six-point loss against the Dolphins up until last week where they got killed by the Eagles, who look like they could be the best team in the NFL right now. Um Kenny Pickett, he's had his he's had his moments, man. He's shined, but he's also been looking, you know, he's made some bad decisions. He's tried to move the ball down the field. You know, he's got caught by the end of the first half, end of the game, throw up a Hail Mary, gets intercepted, bug a little bit. But for the most part, uh, not been playing too great of football. Um, the Steelers also struggle to move the ball on the ground. One thing the Steelers team can do is play defense. Um, they limp, They have a very, very good rushing defense. They're averaging – um, about 118 yards per game. Um, they are most susceptible against the pass. And when I look at a Saints team that is trotting Andy Dalton out there week after week, and he comes out there and he throws for 300 yards, a touchdown, three interceptions, um, I think the Steelers' defense is probably fit or the most fit to stop an offense like the Saints, especially in a game 
where your top two receiving threat throughout and uh, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, or Jarvis Landry, I should say, is questionable, but um, it's looking like he's probably not going to play. Um, your number one corner's out in Marshawn Lattimore. Um, Mark Ingram's out, who's your number two running back. So a lot of injury concern for the Saints team. I think the Steelers team's able to keep this thing close. Um, one and a half is not a line that you would look at to say they're going to keep this game close. It's probably they could win this game or um, my bet is going to lose. So this is strictly off my gut. Don't crucify me over these numbers, but I feel like the Steelers might pull out a win against the Saints here. I love it. Uh, to me, it's two bad football teams. I, I don't think the Saints are particularly good. I don't think the Steelers sure. are particularly good. So um, if we talk about Pittsburgh, uh, man, the numbers, the numbers look so, so bad for their behalf, but they are a little bit skewed because they give up so many points to Buffalo and so many points to Philadelphia that, I don't think they're really as bad as what the numbers are saying. And that's not me saying they're a good football team. because they, Like I just mentioned, they're a bad football team. But um, I, I do think that it, it is an interesting matchup against the New Orleans Saints because I will say one thing about New Orleans. New Orleans might be able to put up some points. Andy Dalton might be able to do some stuff. But boy, boy, that defense is pretty, pretty bad. Uh, so they, they, they allow, you know, 25 points per game. So... Keep an eye on it, man. It's 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 gonna be an interesting game. And if Kenny Pickett comes out there and, and can limit the turnover, you know, if he can limit the turnovers a little bit, that that would, you know, help itself right there. So definitely keep an eye on that one. All right, I'll kick off the overs. <clears throat> All right, headed into my over of the week. This is one that you look at the defense, it makes you think um otherwise, but when I look at how these two teams have been playing lately, I feel pretty good about this. And I'm taking the over 45 and a half in the Chargers Niners. Okay. Um, this is a game that I, you don't really want to pencil it in as a must win game. It, but for the 49ers, it certainly is. Uh, this is a Chargers team that looks like they're a very beatable team in the NFL. It's a team that a lot of people. We're high on early, including myself. I think everybody's been really high on this team. Um, Mike Williams is out. He is suffering from an injury. That's your number two receiving threat. Keenan Allen has been battling injuries all week. The last update I got is that Keenan Allen is expected to play. Um, so look for Keenan Allen to come back this week. And we just saw this Chargers team move the ball against the Falcons. Obviously, we were missing some defensive, uh, some defensive pieces in the past game. But... In a pretty low-scoring game against the Falcons with no receiving threats for this Chargers team, um, anytime you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert line up, man, he's going to be able to make you pay. He's going to be able to get the ball down the field. He's going to be able to make some plays. This dude is an absolute stud. He's a perennial MVP candidate. He's not having the best year. He's been battling some injuries as well, and I know this offense has just been so depleted. So hopefully they get Keenan Allen back in this one. That just helps, uh, you know, my case. I'm also looking at the 49ers side of the thing, or side of the ball. This is a team that is only averaging 22 points per game. They have been missing one of the best offensive threats in the NFL for the past two or three weeks in Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo Samuel is my number one wide receiver on my fantasy football team, and I got the notification earlier as I was making my picks that he will play in this game. Oh, yeah. So Debo's back. Keenan Allen looks like he's going to be back. I think this is a game that could go over this 45 and a half and a game that both of these teams really, really need to get a win here. No, I like that a lot. And that was actually when I looked at when I was just scrolling through numbers, I was looking at the under until I clicked on the stats. And uh, yeah, it changed my mind on it. So I, I, I do like that one a lot. I, I would probably roll with the over as well. Um, and that leads me into my over. 
Um, and, and this number is kind of high for the NFL. Um, I'm going with Chicago versus Detroit over 48 and a half. And I love this. Yes, yes. It, 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 it's, it's a beautiful game. And um, guys, me and Kenny are Justin Fields fans. We've been Justin Fields fans since he was riding the bench at UGA, praying that he would be starting some football games. And it never happened. He went to Ohio State, balled out, went to Chicago, year one struggled. Beginning of the season struggled. But this guy is really, really, really coming along in pro football right now. He is looking like, you know, next year in the fantasy football draft. I know we joke, we talk about fantasy a lot. We, we play fantasy, we love it. This is going to be a guy that people are going to be like, okay, is this a top five fantasy quarterback? Because the last three weeks, Justin Fields has been going crazy, which is awesome to see, man. And Detroit, Detroit's a team that likes to put up points, man. And one thing about these two teams, neither of them really play defense. <laughs> so oh. it is two teams that, you know, recently they have played really, really good offense and have not played defense. So, you know, 48 and a half is just not enough for me. This is one of those games I could see getting up in the 30s for both teams, possibly. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to pay attention to this game on Sunday. Yeah, dude, I like that a lot. This is one that I looked at. I think this Bears team has really figured out how to move the ball. They have figured out how to use Justin Fields, and he is looking like everything you expected from this man. So uh, I definitely look for some points to be scored in this game because neither of these teams play any defense at all. Chicago was so funny to me because at, at, at the beginning of the year, it looked like the leash was so short on Justin Fields that they, they were not letting him do anything. They had him stuck, pinned up in a little two-by-two two pin in the backyard. And then out of nowhere, boom. Just let Justin Fields run the offense. Let him do everything Justin Fields could possibly want to do on the offense. And now they are moving the football. Justin Fields is running the ball. Justin Fields is throwing the ball. He is doing everything right now. And they have been putting up points since it happened. Maybe they're not winning games because they have been giving up a whole lot of points. But they are putting up points, which is nice to see. All right, Jake. I'm going to kick it off with my under. This is one that I'm pretty excited about. I like this one a lot. I am taking the under 43 and a half Washington Commanders at Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. Okay. I like this for one reason and one reason only. I am expecting an absolute blowout. No, I think no, Philadelphia I, I figured you'd go that route. I think Philadelphia Eagles come out here and dominate this Commanders team. This Commanders team has not been playing very good football. They're averaging 340 yards total offense a game. They're giving up yards. They're giving up passing yards. They're giving up rushing yards. This Eagles defense is very, very good. One of the best defenses in the NFL, and they have been moving the ball like crazy. Over 400 yards of total offense per game. Jalen Hurts is looking like an absolute dog out there. He's running the ball. He's throwing the ball. He's being efficient. He's winning games. And this Eagles team has been probably the best team in the NFL when you look at them from a total perspective. Um, so 43 and a half, I think the Eagles get up early. I think they stay up. I don't think this commander's team is able to move the ball. And um, I, I look for this to go under the 43 and a half. No, I, I love that a lot because when I look at this game, I, it is like a glaring 38 to three win for Philadelphia because this commander's team, they're not going to move the ball, guys. They have had struggles with, you know, quarterback issues with, with Carson Wentz going down and having to bring in uh, Taylor Heineke, which I think everybody's a fan of Taylor Heineke, you know, somewhat. But, guys, he's not a good quarterback. He, he's, he's, yeah. not, he's not a good NFL quarterback. We like him for the memes, but he's not good. Carson, they, if Carson Wentz was playing in this game, I would question it a little bit because at least you know he's going to give you, you know, an Andy Dalton-esque game of, you know, 350 yards, three touchdowns, you know, a couple interceptions on the list. 
Well, with Tyler Heineke, it's not going to happen. We've heard what's happened with the with the with the running back situation. Antonio Gibson was there. Now Brian Robinson's there. You know, neither of them are really playing particularly too great. So <laughs> it's it's kind of a it's kind of a crap show right now for Washington. No, it really is. This team is not looking good. Um, so I I do enjoy that pick a lot, and and uh that kind of leads me into mine too because I'm thinking the same type deal right here. A little bit less, maybe. And my under pick is going to be New York versus Houston under 40 and a half. And I'm looking the same route as you. I just don't think this Houston team can put up points. And my most notable thing is I'm going to go fantasy route with you. And something that breaks my heart. And I hope he plays. Damian Pierce is questionable. And if you watch Houston play football, Damian Pierce is, they might as well put Damian offensive, offense Pierce as his name. Because he's the offense, guys. He. <laughs> he is the cog that keeps things rolling. This is a guy that racks up like 20 plus carries a game, moves the ball on the ground, may not score many points because Houston doesn't score many points, but he moves that ball for Houston. Without him, I don't see Houston having very much offensive success at all because Davis Mills, you were a guy I looked at last year. I was like, okay, Davis Mills is a guy. Davis Mills, you suck. <laughs> I'm not, not going to beat around the bush right here. Davis Mills is a very, very bad NFL quarterback right now. So. Yeah, dude, this team has been struggling. Um, I already talked about them in my pick with the Giants. I think they're going to cover the five and a half, and I like the under as well. Okay, okay, perfect. I, I like it a lot. Now, I, I, that we now we have official picks in. We're, we're going to win some money for you guys this week, Kenny. I'm gonna, I'm going to kind of go to the same question I asked for college ball. Give me a nice little crispy, crispy, crispy underdog that you think is going to win the game on Sunday. Ooh, let me pull up my slate. Let me pull up my slate. I want to give you my best pick right here. And I want something. I want something crispy too. I want actually. It's kind of hard to get crispy in the NFL because the the big time point spreads are the ones that you know. There's only one really really big spread this week, and that is Kansas City Jacksonville. And I don't think anybody or their mom is going to pick Jacksonville to win that football game. So we can't get that crispy. I'll go ahead and say mine. And maybe it's not the crispiest thing, and I don't even think it's going to happen. But I think it has the highest possibility with the best odds if you were to bet a money line right now. And maybe not the best odds, but it's definitely an interesting one. I'm going to go Minnesota uh, traveling to Buffalo. I I think that this Minnesota football team is good. Like I I think Buffalo is also a very good football team. Don't get me wrong. Buffalo is probably a top two, top three team in the NFL right now. But... This Vikings team has a really, really good shot at winning this game. <laughs> Don't get me wrong at all. This, this Vikings team is a team that plays good offense. Um, they also they don't play very good defense, but you know they like to put up points. And against the Buffalo team that has had a couple little games that's caught up with them, you know this year they they've lost you know two games now and two games that they probably shouldn't have lost. Uh, this could get ugly. And we talk about Josh Allen; he's injured right now. He's he's dealing with a little bit of an elbow issue. So if he somehow you know holds out of that game. You know, right now is the perfect time to go ahead and put a put a wager on it if you wanted to hit it. Because, you know, if, if Josh Allen is ruled out of this game, Minnesota's favorited in this football game. Oh, 100%. And uh, that was actually going to be my pick. So, in an effort to not give the same pick twice, I'm going to say this is a bet I'm going to be on 100%. I can go ahead and etch that in right now. It's not the flashiest. It's not the biggest underdog of the week. But I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals money line at the LA Rams. Um, I think this Cardinals team has got to get things right. They've got to get things moving. I like this Cardinals team. I like Kyler Murray. Um, but my key factor to this is 
today it was announced that Matthew Stafford was has entered concussion protocol. Yes. So right now you can get the Arizona Cardinals at plus one hundred six on the money line, uh, plus one and a half on the point spread. The the Rams are still one and a half point favorite with everything considered. The over under set at forty one and a half in this one. I like the Cardinals. I think they come out with a big win right here against the Rams, um, especially in a game where both the number of bets and the percentage of the money is on the Rams. I think the Cardinals come away with an upset in this one. No, I agree for sure. And if there's one thing about this NFC West that it's it's kind of been you know talked about a couple times this year the nfc west is is a division where it seems like the home team likes to struggle the home team loses more often than not in the nfc west which is a really really weird phenomenon you really don't see happen very often because we look at the nfc south just just by our standards you know you bring the saints to atlanta we're expecting to win that game or whatever we have to go travel to their mercedes stadium the superdome we're probably expecting to lose that game like (laughs) our our home home and aways are a little bit different over here where in the NFC West, man, it, it seems like that, that home team usually struggles a lot. And, you know, an Arizona team that has to get right. You know, you talk about a game that is a must-win for a team that is a good football team and has a lot of talent, but you have to win at some point. And right now, that with a 3-6 and six record, um, and the Rams are in the same situation. The Rams are at the same point. But without Matthew Stafford, man, I know Matthew Stafford has not been playing good ball this year, but, man, that Rams team looks bad. Like, that Rams team already looks bad as it is, and you lose your starting quarterback? Hoo-wee. Um, this Arizona team, I know they haven't been playing the best ball, but they have kept getting competitive. They have had two back-to-back tough matchups against Minnesota and Seattle. So, man, I, I think it's going to be a fun one to keep your eyes on. I'm hoping Kyler goes absolutely crazy because he is my fantasy quarterback. Uh, But I like it. I like it a lot. Love it. That boy Stafford, man, he's questionable with the concussion. Didn't he just get put on concussion protocol today? Yep, he just entered concussion protocol today. To me, and this is just my opinion, maybe maybe it's a little bit of a bold take. If you have a concussion in the NFL, you have to be you should have to be required to miss at least a week. You would think that that's how it should be. Like if you get a concussion on Sunday, you should have to miss the following Sunday. Like no matter what the concussion protocol is, we've seen too much stuff. They're doing everything they can do to protect people's heads and prevent you know issues when it comes to equipment and stuff besides keeping these guys off the damn football field like you would think project number one okay don't let this guy play he just you know had his brain just shook inside of his skull last week and yeah let's run him out there against 350 pound men and see what happens yeah let's let him just go out there and rip it and see see if he'll uh, survive i mean i guess the the question mark is they don't know whether or not he does have a concussion so i guess maybe some further testing will you know, prove that of whether or not he does actually have one. But if you're a guy that's entering the protocol, they're obviously expecting you to have something going on and any kind of mental situation or anything going on with your head. When you talk about a concussion and everything that these guys suffer from long-term, especially, you know, it shouldn't make a difference, but it probably does a little bit with Matthew Stafford being a longtime veteran. Um, you're probably going to be a little bit more cautious on it. So if that's a thing, if Matthew Stafford is questionable to suit up in this game, even if he does play and he's just lacking in the, you know, he's not getting the practice reps, he's not out there with the team getting the reps. I mean, this is a divisional matchup, man. It's a must win for both teams. But if you've got a questionable quarterback and a guy that's not been getting all the first team reps all week long against a very good Cardinals team that needs a win here, um, I think they're prime for a letdown. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I love that pick, Kenny. Well, not a pick, but, you know, the opinion, because this is not official pick time anymore. That's right. 
But I think that wraps us up. You know, I, at first, at first, I was looking at the timer and I was like, "Man, we are going to do a short podcast today because we were at about forty minutes." And I was sitting there like, "Man, we're we're really getting close to close to getting to the end." But then we get to bed, so we start going, and now we're at an hour twenty. So you know, I, I think this is the perfect time to wrap it up. And I'll go ahead and start off the little wrap up thing, and I'll pass to you, and we'll go ahead and get this thing ended. Uh, you know, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Um, you know, we talk about the beginning of the podcast. We'll end it like this too. Um, check us out on the socials, Peach State, Peach State Pod on Twitter right here. We have the podcast, if you're watching us on the YouTube side of things, on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us there, check us out on the YouTube. It never hurts. You can comment in the little comment section. I'll look over and read it as we're doing live. I might not react to it because, you know, we are live stream. We're doing it for podcast content. But I will see it. And uh, we usually we hop in here about 20 minutes early, and we'll kind of ramble on. If you say something then, I'll, I'll talk to you all day long until we get started. But, you know. Yeah. It goes how it goes, uh, you know, and, you know, find us on Twitter, send us a message, you know, we would love to do a little Q&A or some point at some point, give us a little, little Georgia questions, we'll, we'll mention it on the podcast, bring it up, give us some ideas, give us some tips, all this fun stuff, and uh, Kenny, that wraps it up for me, uh, any, any final thoughts? Yeah, man, I just want to say, anytime we get to put some bets out there, especially when we're on a little bit of a tear like we have been, we're winning some money. We want to try and win y'all some money, man. So, again, we've said it before. If we're giving you a bet, it's a bet that we're going to be on. So, we'll ride it with you, see what happens. Uh, 29-18-1 right now is pretty good. So, we look to hopefully win you some more money this week and and keep this thing carrying on. But, yeah, Jake, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Jake mentioned it with the socials. Get on there, interact with us. Be sure to... Let us know if you have any questions. We'd love to have you guys hop in the live stream too, talk with us, get a little back and forth banter going on. And uh, y'all keep tuning in every week. We're going to keep coming out here and pumping out content. And, uh, you know, go dogs and uh, go Falcons. Let's let this thing rip one more week. Let's go, baby.